are listening to Rumination Tuesday on this June the 7th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look at a hymn with Mark Smith, Come Holy Ghost Creator Blessed. Uh, Next to the Te Deum, this text is most praised of the ancient Latin hymns. And the singing of it was often marked with great dignity and ritual actions. Bells, incense, excuse me, vestments. Its six original stanzas date from the 10th century. The final doxological stanza differs from one source to another suggesting that it is a later edition. The author is uncertain. Edgar C.S. Gibson has carefully reviewed the evidence, rejecting the case for Ambrose and Charlemagne and saying that the evidence is insufficient for Gregory the Great. So, What we have here is a wonderful hymn, and we're not really sure who the original author was. Given the high regard in which this hymn has been held, it is not surprising that even Martin Luther made a seven-stanza translation, published in 1524. He tightened the logical sequence, exchanging the third and fourth standards. By 1549, an English translation was included in the Book of Common Prayer, making it one of the few hymns legally sanctioned in the Church of England long before the 19th century interest in hymns. Julian attests to its importance at a hymn by identifying 33 English translations before 1892. Now, the translation of John Cosin, C-O-S-I-N, has gained special favor, appearing in the Book of Common Prayer and in the first edition of hymns ancient and modern, in 1861. So, for Trinity Sunday, we're taking a look at Come Holy Ghost, Creator, Bless. And with us, I'm Tom Baker, is Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing just fine. So Beautiful day. Are we ready to take a look at a hymn that seems odd for Trinity Sunday? Talking about, come Holy Ghost, Creator, bless. Well, uh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to give the Holy Spirit a short shrift. You know what I mean? We had yeah. Pentecost Sunday last week, but uh, he's still 
he's an important part of our theology. And uh, we certainly don't want to give him, we don't want to uh, underemphasize his importance in our faith. And it's not that the hymn is not going to talk about the Trinity. Right. It's just that the title is about the Holy Ghost. Right. So, without further ado, would you begin with stanza one, please? Glad to. Come Holy Ghost, Creator blessed, and make our hearts your place of rest. Come with your grace and heavenly aid, and fill the hearts which you have made. Now, the first line refers to him as the Creator. Yeah. And yet it's so clear that in John, Jesus is the one who created all things. Well, but the Holy, the Holy Spirit Ghost was there. Come in as creator? The Holy Spirit was there, too. And, uh, in fact, uh, the last line of that first verse, fill the hearts which you have made. The Holy Spirit, you know, at the beginning, those opening lines of Genesis, and the Spirit of and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the of the deep, face of the waters. Excellent, excellent. He was there. In fact, all three persons of the Trinity are found in the first three verses of the Bible. In the beginning, right. God created the heavens and earth. That's God the Father. The Holy Spirit was upon the waters, and the Lord said, let there be light, and that was Jesus. Right. So, the eternal word. Point, that there was only one event that only one of the persons of the Trinity dealt with by yes. himself. What was that? That's the crucifixion, his redemptive act, uh, crucifixion. Crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and that is something the Father did not die, the Holy Spirit did not die, but the second person of the Trinity died at the cross and was raised again on yeah. Judgment Day. Yeah, and the Father raised him from the dead. It yeah. speaks in... It speaks in that way, and it speaks also of Jesus as uh, a, a, as Jesus rising, right? And the Bible also indicates the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. That's right. So you have all three of them in the resurrection, but only one of them at the crucifixion. That's right. So this first verse... Make our hearts your place of rest. When does that occur? At baptism. We, we welcome him at baptism. He, he makes our body his temple. Yes. And we want him to stay there. Fill the hearts which you have made. Again, showing his creativeness. So... This begins with the work of the Holy Spirit, not only creating us, but making our hearts to believe in Jesus Christ. 
we receive faith at baptism as well as the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. Absolutely. That's right. Okay, stanza two, please. To you, the Counselor, we cry. To you, the gift of God Most High, the fount of life, the fire of love, the soul's anointing from above. All right. He's referred to as the Counselor. Right. Where does that come from? That's... um. That's from the New Testament, uh, Jesus' promises. Jesus promises the counselor, the comforter. That's excellent. He says there will be another comforter when he leaves. Right. And that's, of course, the Holy Spirit. In fact, he tells the disciples, if I do not leave, the comforter will will not come. Yes. Remember he says that? Yes. And I don't now, fully un- I don't fully understand that because uh it, it would seem that they could both be there at the same time, but hey, that's you know, God is uh God's beyond our understanding. I remember Jesus specifically saying, Unless I unless I go, the comforter will not come. Well, the answer to that is the Pentecost experience did not occur until after Jesus had left. That's right. But you remember Jesus remember Jesus breathed on his disciples? He 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 simply breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Yes, but remember all the Old Testament prophets had received that gift of the Holy Spirit, but not as was done at Pentecost. Not the special outpouring. That's right. That's right. And so prophets and apostles had to have the Holy Spirit because they he used them to inspire the Bible. Yes. In fact I can remember I think I remember this correctly, wasn't Samson filled with God's spirit? Uh, at the time that he, uh, at the time he killed that lion, am I, am I correct on that? I think so. You, you I remember talking be, about uh, Samson being filled with the spirit. Yes. Well, that's mentioned a number of times. Moses definitely had the spirit, and he talked about one coming after him who would be greater than he. When did Jesus receive the Spirit? Well, that's a good boy. You caught me flat-footed there. I'm trying to think. I know the the Spirit uh, hovered upon him like a dove at his baptism, but I would have thought that he had the Spirit prior to that. Would it be at his? Uh, would it be at his uh, incarnation? I know. I, I would say it was his baptism. Because it says more than it descended upon Jesus, that in the form of a dove, he actually entered into Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that was his installation when he began his ministry. His ministry, right. Correct. So 
we would assume then that at his baptism, that's when he received the Holy Spirit. All right. Well, well let me ask you this. Hey, let me, hey, hey, Tom, let me ask you this. In Colossians, it says, in Jesus, the fullness of the deity dwelled in him. Would that not be until uh, his baptism, would you say? The fullness of the deity would occur prior to Jesus' baptism. I would have thought would so. Would you not say he had the fullness of the deity at his incarnation? I would, I would say that too, yes. So wouldn't yeah. he have the Holy Spirit? Having the fullness of the deity, there seems to be something else going on. We're talking about the human nature of Jesus. His humiliation. Right. Good point. Good point. In his exaltation, he would have the Holy Spirit. In his humiliation, that would occur at his baptism. Okay. All right. All right. Stanza three. In you with graces sevenfold, we God's almighty hand behold. While you with tongues of fire proclaim to all the world his holy name. So what is this sevenfold? Uh, That usually, uh, sevenfold, uh, I know it's it's talking about, that that is uh, denoting God's presence, but... um, Particularly, I would say, the Holy Spirit. Let's see. To you, with graces sevenfold, we God's almighty hand behold, while you with tongues of fire proclaim to all the world his holy name. With graces sevenfold. You know, that's that. Uh, I picture the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, right. Particularly in that, particularly in that book, seven, seven. Uh, there's a lot of things. The Holy Spirit. Right. Seven represents the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. What does ten represent? Out of Exodus. Ten of Exodus? Oh, uh, the the ten uh, plagues. No, the Ten Commandments. Oh, the Ten (laughs) Commandments. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. Is this Mark Smith? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right to remember the Ten Plagues instead of the Ten Commandments. Of course it's the Ten Commandments, yes. And how about the number 24? Oh, no, that would be the, uh, that would be the, the uh, apostles of the New Testament as well as the... As the uh, tribes of Israel. Excellent. And that's found in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Right. Where it talks about that. So numbers do make a difference. So what do you think the number for Trinity is? Three. Very good. (laughs) I got that What were you thinking of? All right. Stanza four, please. 
Your light to every thought impart, and shed your love in every heart. The weakness of our mortal state with deathless might invigorate. Now, this reminds me of Solomon's book on Proverbs. In fact, the reading, which is very interesting for this Sunday, is Proverbs 8. That's right. And the first seven chapters of Proverbs is Solomon speaking to his son. But in Proverbs 8, Jesus himself speaks to us personally in the first person. Every verse talks about Jesus. In I call, I was set up, I was brought forth, etc. So the book of Proverbs is Jesus giving us understanding of the ways of God. And that is carried on now by the Holy Spirit, whose light imparts to every heart the words of God as to how we are to behave as Christians. You still there? I'm still here. I'm listening to every your every word, Tom. Well, I'm hanging on your every word. Well, <laughs> I uh, uh, also don't forget. You know the thing about uh, Proverbs eight. It talks about personification. Uh, Jesus is personified in the form of wisdom. It speaks of Jesus yeah. as the wisdom of God. And wisdom is. God's way of telling us what he expects from us as believers. We are not able to follow his wisdom as an unbeliever because that would just be a good work we do. Whereas following his wisdom properly is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. All right, stanza five. Stanza five. Drive far away our wily foe. I love this verse. Drive far away our wily foe, and your abiding peace bestow. With you as our protecting guide, no evil can with us abide. Now, this hymn could have about 60 Bible verses behind it. But where it says, and your abiding peace bestow, where do we hear about that peace? And I'm thinking of the night of the resurrection. The night of the resurrection. Oh, yes. When Jesus says, peace be, peace be with you. That's the first thing he says to his disciples. You know, he, he wanted them to be at ease. You know, they would be they would be afraid because you know because they know well he knows we weren't even there at the, at the crucifixion we we all left we all fled and he wants to put them at ease right away he says peace be with you uh, the point being i have reconciled you back to the father 
Uh, all is well. Peace be with you. Uh, the peace that the world cannot give, I give to you. How does that drive away our wily foe? Oh, the wily foe can't stand. He can't stand to be with us, with with God's peace upon us. Uh, the wily foe can't stand the fact that we're baptized, that we're made uh, children of God and heirs of heaven. He's got to flee. Uh, yeah, that, his that's attack. What, that's how Luther. That's how Luther. When Luther was assailed by Satan, uh, which happened a number of times, of course, he would say, "Be gone, Satan." I am baptized. And that's how he would get rid of Satan's taunting. Yeah, the power of Satan on many people is to demonstrate what sinners they are. And therefore, the word peace brings to them the comfort that their sins have been forgiven and they are now one again with God the Father. That's right. That's the gospel, plain and simple. And it drives Satan away. Uh, Satan cannot stand, he can't bear to be around it or anywhere near it, its message. And that includes baptism and uh, all the means of grace. So Jesus is kind of mentioned in 5, but the Holy Spirit is definitely mentioned in verse 6, if you read that. Teach us to know the Father, Son, and you from both as three in one. That's good. That, you, that we, your name, may ever bless, and in our lives the truth confess. Here in that verse, you know, you get the, you get the truth that the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. In that one line it, where it says, and you, that is Holy Spirit, from both the Father and the Son, uh, proceed. Now, that was a big controversy between yes. what churches? Uh, the East and Western churches. Uh, yes. The, the church of Rome and, and, uh, and the Eastern Orthodox Church. The church of imagine, Rome believes you imagine that they from the Father and the Son, whereas what did the Eastern Church believe? I don't know, but can you imagine that they that they uh, split and that they uh, can you imagine a controversy arising out of that? I mean, that shows that shows right there what importance uh, the church placed on God's word. That they haggled about that detail. Yeah, and that there was a division in all of Christianity over that specific point. The fact that the that, he, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. I it's just, you know, it's uh, what a thing to fight about. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, some will suggest how could the church split over the Lutheran doctrine that we're saved by grace and not by works? Well, I can understand. That's the heart of the gospel. I mean that That's is the gospel. Uh, That's right. But, but you know, it's. Um, I don't know if as important as that teaching is that the that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. I mean, as important as that is, I mean, we confess it in the creed. I don't know if I would say that that's the heart of our teaching, or would you? Would you say that? 
I mean, it's not anything the Bible says is the heart of our teaching. Well, of course, of course, Tom. But you know, well, I think things... I think wouldn't you agree? Uh, somebody can be saved. Yes. As long as they believe, as long as they believe in the gospel, I would say somebody can can still be saved, even though they may not understand that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's my point. And the example I would give are the believers in the Old Testament. It wasn't until the New Testament that that teaching became clear. Yeah, yeah. All right, last verse, please. Okay, this is a doxological verse. We would stand for this in in worship service. Praise we the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit with them one. And may the Son on us bestow the gifts that from the Spirit flow. Now, I find that interesting, Mm -hmm. that Jesus talks about a promise that the Comforter will come, and yet it's Jesus who bestows the gifts. Yes. How do we understand that? Well, let me think about that. Let me think about that here. Praise we the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with them one, and may the Son on us bestow the gifts that from the Spirit flow. Well, again, uh, the Spirit proceeds from the from the Son as well as the Father. But how does Jesus bestow oh, the gifts? Oh, oh, I would say uh, I would say through His uh, body and blood. Yes. What's the gift that he bestows? Forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. And that came from the cross. Right. And so the Holy Spirit takes that work of salvation and all of the benefits and applies it to us. That's right. Absolutely. So... Even though there's not that much in the hymn about the Holy Trinity, it's still a hymn. I'm going to be using it for Trinity Sunday, and we'll see what happens. But that was Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. We thank you for listening to Law and Gospel. Tomorrow we're going to go into a little bit more detail on the book of Proverbs. So be with us at 9.30. Until then, God bless Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.